I said, are you ready? For what? The horror bros. All right, everybody. Welcome to Horror Bros. I'm your host, Jason Johnson, along with... JT Johnson. And today, we have uh, local... He's Central Texas comedian, stand-up legend here. Uh, Flatter me. Yes, Jordan Pilkington. Hi, thank you much. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, what an honor. Well, I know you you love horror movies and sure things, do. and so I you, you know you we had told you about this, and you just like I want to be on an episode. Put me on. Yeah, and unfortunately, we had already done Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which. To tell the audience, and, and I think I told JT already, you, of course, did a presentation in college about... How Leatherface is the ultimate gentleman. Yes. Because think about it. He loves having people over for dinner, great at interior decorating, and above all, all he wants to do is eat pussy, okay? Yeah. It's a sign See? of a gentleman. <laughs> you know? That's a gentleman. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> I would have killed to have been in that lecture that hall so that day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so JT, why don't you, uh, get us started and tell us where we're going this week. Absolutely. Uh, in space, no one can hear you scream. This was the tagline for today's film. And of course, I'm talking about the one and only alien yes. from writers, from writers, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Sh- uh, Shusett, which I, I, I just watched a three hour documentary and I still can't say that last name. Yeah. And directed by, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> and directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, the movie is about a group of hardworking people on board the Nostromo, yeah. a basically a trucker uh, in space. The crew is awakened from their hibernation when a distress beacon is picked up on a nearby world. There, the crew finds a derelict ship, and after one of their own is attacked by something that is in a rather menacing-looking egg to begin with, they get <laughs> it back to the ship where they... <laughs> where they narrowly dis- uh, escape disaster. Of course, the terror is only just beginning as something on board threatens all their lives. The main cast for this film is one of the best ever assembled for a horror film, in my opinion. And that cast includes Tom Skerritt as the Nostromo's leader, Dallas, Veronica Cartwright as the ship's navigator, Lambert, Harry Dean Stanton and Yafit Kodo as Brett and Parker, the ship's engineer, John Hurt as Kane, an unfortunate crew member with a bad case of food poisoning. <laughs> Ian, Ian Holm as Ash, the, the ship's science officer with a few surprises of his own. And Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley, one of the biggest badasses in cinema. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad that you thought the eggs were menacing. I spent several hours on them. <laughs> Fucking gear, here, man. Here oh, yeah. is a problem. In both this film and in Prometheus, the prequel that Ridley Scott would direct. If you see something menacing, don't put your face right Right over over it. it. Step one. Yeah, I mean, you would think. (laughs) I just watched Zombieland Double Tap, and Uh and, you know they have the list of rules. I think they could have really used a list of rules. Don't put your face over a vagina egg. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, a vagina egg. That shit's hilarious. Oh, so yes, everything looks like <laughs> vaginas. So real quick, just a quick behind-the-scenes setup for where the film came from. Yeah. In college, Dan O'Bannon 
made a film with director John Carpenter called Dark Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this was a, a science fiction comedy that it was supposed to be a, a student film for Carpenter, but it grew so big that as O'Bannon put it, he said, we went from the most impressive student film to the least professional professional film ever released. <laughs> and he wanted to take the concept, though, of a crew on board with an alien and make a genuine horror film out of it. Yeah. So that's when um, uh, Shusett, <laughs> he's already working on Total Recall at this point. He would actually get yeah. the movie that we eventually got with Arnold Schwarzenegger made in the 90s. He's actually working on that. He sees Dark Star and he wants to work with O'Bannon. And so uh, O'Bannon agrees to that and they decide to make his film first, which is at this point is called Star Beast. <laughs> A horrible title. <laughs> that would have totally and, ruined that fucking movie, man. <laughs> and so they decided to do his because it would be cheaper. And yeah. in fact, they were even going to make this film with uh, Roger Corman. And <laughs> nice. And uh, before they made that deal, they eventually write the script and O'Bannon writes the first part of the film. Uh, Shuzette is the one who says, let's uh, set the second half with the alien tracking them down. And he also comes up with the concept of the alien gets through the body of someone. That's how it gets on the ship. And it came from an idea he had about a world war two bomber being haunted by gremlins yeah. Uh, it's not a plot of a, a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. Man I, of the it's, it's got Kirk in it, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but eventually, yeah, O'Bannon meets H.R. Giger. Uh, yeah, Giger. Giger. <laughs> and that is where he decides he has found his alien, and so he designs the alien in the script around Giger's uh, artwork. And later on, Ridley Scott says, "Absolutely." Uh, this is what we need to do. You know, like there were people who were like, you have to redesign. It's like, no, no, this is it. No, no, no. You have to see, no, this is it. This is what we're doing. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how much. And then of course they bought Giger on to actually design the suit, and the ships and, and all that stuff. But the way it gets to 20th century Fox is a screenwriting friend of O'Bannon and them and, and uh, of O'Bannon's uh, sends it to, you'll recognize this name, Jason. Alan Ladd Jr. Oh, yeah. And Alan Ladd Jr. says, okay, we'll do it. Now, this is before Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and the so man who up... said yes to everything yeah. and created it's our so... world. Really? And what what, did, what is it he do? 20th century. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars. He, he greenlit Star, Star Wars. He greenlit okay, he Star just, Wars. Man just loves space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> greenlit aliens. But there was a bunch of other stuff. He was... Now, remind me, JT, if I'm right about this. He was like one of the young guns in town, and he's the one who kind of modernized that studio. He, All these other execs didn't want to do all this new modern stuff by like all these new directors, and he uh, was the one that was like, yeah, let's do this shit. He was a big name in doing it, but yeah, yeah it was already starting to shift because the yeah. studios were going from the old original owners of the Golden Age right. to uh, corporations. And corporations didn't know how to make films, so they started to kind of rely on producers like uh, Ladd Jr. Okay. So yeah, to bring in these new filmmakers and and really start a whole new wave of filmmakers. And they didn't really want to do this film, which, by the way, 
O'Bannon, to his credit, who called it Star Beast at first, yeah. looked, looked through the script and went, I'm saying alien a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just call it fucking alien. Yeah. And so that's how it gets its now iconic title. Yeah. Um, and the thing, the thing is 20th Century Fox doesn't want to do it, but they change their mind whenever uh, Star Wars comes out. Yeah. Star Wars comes out in 77, and now science fiction is not a risk. It's the genre. Yeah, it's money what in the bank. It's money in the bank. And so the, 20th Century Fox is looking around like, what can we do? We want something quick to turn around. Christ, we got this weird horror alien script. Sure, go ahead, do it. Greenlit. And so that's how it gets a $4.2 billion, uh, $4.2 million budget. And they go out to make the film. And eventually they hire, they, they look at some other directors, including one of the producers, which is Walter Hill. Yeah. None of them really want to do it because of the effects. And then they see a film called The Duelist. And that's when they go and get Ridley Scott, who before The Duelist had just done a bunch of commercials in Britain. Yeah. But he comes in and here's how good he is. He's an unknown director, second film. Yeah. He writes out a bunch of storyboards. And 20th Century Fox sees these storyboards and goes, all right, we're going from 4.2 to 8.4 billion uh, million. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually what attracts Scarrett. Because when Scarrett was offered the role of Dallas, the captain, right, he said there was potential, but you're not budgeting for that potential. Yeah. And then when that happened, that was when Scarrett said, all right, we'll, we'll do this movie. But that's how we yeah. get to the production of the movie. We'll get yeah. more into that later as we talk, uh, talk about the movie but first to you guys um when was the first time you guys saw alien yeah go ahead jordan uh alien's actually the movie that got me into horror so like growing up my yeah. stepdad would just like uh put on like friday the 13th and like walk out of the room <laughs> and just like make me watch it and like i just it never stuck with me right <laughs> yeah and then i would have been going into freshman year of high school when prometheus came out mm -hmm. and he's like look we're going to see this movie whether you want to or not you're going to get some context so yeah. he put on alien and I just sat there and I watched the whole thing. I'm like, this fucking rules. Yeah. This is such an yeah. awesome movie. Uh, and yeah, that's what just got me into like the rest of the genre. Well, for me, it was kind of the same way. Mm -hmm. It was um, Aliens, the mm -hmm. sequel, was coming out. And uh, of course, I was only three whenever this movie actually hit the theater. So I, you know, mm -hmm. I've never seen it. And it, so my dad's like, well, if we're going to watch Aliens then we got to go get this other one, Alien, first. Yeah. You got to see it. So, like you said, you know. Here, learn some context. Yeah, learn some context, kid. And so, yeah, then, then yeah, it was it was on from there because I'm the same as you. I'm like, it's this amazing film because yeah. it's not only a horror film, it's science fiction. And like JT said, what a fucking cast for mm -hmm. a horror film, you know. Um, what about you, JT? This is uh, one that I actually have to credit Dad with. Yeah. Uh, Dad and I would rent movies on Friday nights, and if there were no new releases, of course, we would get the classic films. We were always going to yeah. rent something. And one night, it was uh, Alien and Aliens yeah. that we rented. Dad wanted to show me both of those, and I fell in love with both of those films for two very different reasons, Yeah, which is great, because that's, of course, the big debate, which is better, Alien or Aliens, but... We'll dive more into that when we actually do Aliens, because we'll definitely cover that in the 80s. Right. So, <laughs> but uh, the theme of this movie is basically, it's Jaws in space. Yeah. You, you very rarely see the, the alien. Uh, by design, 
Um, this time they can't blame the suit for not working. It's it's a story design, and uh, so you don't see it very often. But when you do, it is this gnarly looking alien. Another thing about this alien, this is the most unique creature design that we've probably seen in films up to this point. And in fact, I would dare say that any monstrous evil alien after, uh, from species to yep. uh, even to a quiet place, the aliens are always somewhat influenced by the xenomorph, which yes. is what it's <laughs> popularly known as. Uh, the film opens also, it definitely shows you how isolated everything is right from the start. Because we are in a quiet ship, computers are coming back on, uh, and eventually we get to these pods, and the pods slowly open, and we realize these people are alone, alone. Yeah. In the ultimate yeah. place to be alone. And that adds to the tension. Ridley Scott actually said, and it's it's funny, we mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre earlier. Right. When he, he was asked this, When he was asked, what kind of film did you want to make, he said... It's science fiction, but I wanted to get away from the fantasy of Star Wars, which was definitely an influence. And I wanted to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. That was his quote. Definitely uh, feels he it. Said, it's super, yeah. it's well, so gritty and like dirty yeah. to just watch. Yeah. Yeah. He he said, and he even says in the documentary that I just watched, if you're going to rip off a horror film, uh, there you have it. And yeah. it's Texas <laughs> <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, but the also... Without Star Wars, I don't think we get the Nostromo also because yeah. the Nostromo is a truck in space. It's this yeah. dirty location. Yeah. And that starts with Star Wars. Before Star Wars, the Everything future was, was a perfect. sterile, yeah. bland world. Yeah. All the like, ships I, were like stark white and perfect, like it had never been used before. Star Wars just blew the doors yeah, off of that filthy. Was just yeah going, you know Han the, solo looks like uh yeah. like a like a scruffy nerve herder. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and the it, well and you look at the millennium falcon and it's not like this pristine beautiful ship. yeah it's been and it's been pieced together and put different parts in it mm -hmm. to soup it up and it's got all, a, you know? a giant man dog walking around yeah. it's gonna be filthy yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just shedding everywhere everywhere <laughs> son of a bitch he pisses on the couch oh ridiculous <laughs> Now, what I love about this film as well is, at first, you don't really know who, if you're watching it fresh for the first time and you don't know anything about it, you don't know who the main character is going to be right off the bat. Yeah. Everyone kind of has their role to play. However, suffice it to say, the one person showing any reason or sense, probably going to be the person that lives. Yeah. And in this case, in this film, that is definitely Ripley. Yeah. Who everyone is demonizing, like you let him back, or you were going to keep him out. Yeah, she should have. <laughs> but the science officer yeah. Ash is the one who says, "Come on in." With yeah, <laughs> moron. <laughs> <laughs> funny you talk your science. Well, that's what it gets you right there. You know, global yeah. warming, and you let aliens on the ship. By God, <laughs> I tell you, got these goddamn milk robots walking yeah. around. Yeah. <laughs> milk robots <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she she is the truly sane character and it's fairly slow up to this point like there yeah something has happened to Kane, but we don't know he's got this weird looking face hugger which is another unique creation mm -hmm. uh that we hadn't really seen up to that point and then 
Eventually, Kane wakes up. Facehugger's dead. So everything seems fine. The end. Roll credits. Yeah. Every everything they're gonna end up at Earth. They're gonna get their shares, which they keep bitching about for twenty fucking minutes. And yeah. <laughs> but then they have the infamous dinner scene, and this is probably one of the most surprising scenes in a horror film because you didn't really know what was happening with the face hugger and, and like, there's no clue as to what the face hugger has done. Yeah. Which actually it turns out has impregnated as John Hurt likes to say, uh, impregnated Kane. And finally he goes out and finally fits and they don't know what's going on. And we get to what is probably the most defining scene in the movie. What's yeah. up? I see you laughing there. <laughs> out in a moment. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'll just, and and so of course the chest burster comes out. Right. And <laughs> Oh up? no, not again. Oh, <laughs> hello my baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> I love that of course to anyone listening, that's a reference to Spaceballs. Right. They spoofed this scene. And I love that they got that Mel Brooks got John Hurt to, to do, do it. that yes. scene. Yes. Uh but yeah, it, it happens. Now, the way this scene was shot was, was pretty great for anyone who's wanting some film knowledge. It was a, a fake body, obviously, on the table. And mm. it was from the tor- upper torso up, it's John Hurt. John Hurt had to get into this very uncomfortable position yeah. <laughs> under the table with all the wires and everything like that. And and basically be blended into this body so that the chest burster could then burst out. There was only one thing. The cast didn't know that he had been rigged up to it. They had been bought in to do the scene. They knew what the scene was going to be because obviously they read the script. Right. But they did not know how much blood and yeah. and guts and gore was going to be in the scene. So when it pops out and you see Veronica Cartwright screaming at the top of her lungs yeah. and you see Tom Skerritt like looking wide-eyed, like what the fuck just happened? Yeah. <laughs> That's all genuine reactions right. from the cast. That's the genius of Ridley Scott, and I actually want to throw an apology towards Stanley Kubrick because we yeah. give him a lot of crap for giving uh, Shelley Duvall a hard time on The Shining, as as well we should. Well, you know, I'm she actually, lives twenty minutes away, and she yeah. is insane. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would well, be awesome if we could get um, her for, for the, the shining, shining episode. Just give her flashbacks <laughs> for an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh my God. I'd fire guns behind her and shit. You know, like Kubrick did. <laughs> but but uh, obviously, now real quick. Obviously, I don't say we apologize to Stanley Kubrick for real, right. but because that was yeah. terrible what he did. Yeah. I just want to make that clear. But Ridley Scott treated everyone in this production like shit. Yeah. Like he was in their face. They were in the claustrophobic sets. There was a point where he wanted to yell at John Hurt, but John Hurt was too big. So he looks at Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. So he looks at Sigourney Weaver and goes, Learn to pick up your fucking teacup. And she <laughs> runs off crying. He runs up to her and he says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was supposed to say that to John, but he intimidated me. So I said it to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so f- Wait, how big is John Hurt? Cause Sigourney Weaver's six feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I meant in terms of fame. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sigourney oh, Weaver. Sigourney up this, Weaver. Up to this point, Sigourney Weaver 
had only done one film and it was a non-speaking role in Annie Hall, a blink and you'll miss it role. Yeah. So this is really her first film and they bought her in. They had to do screen tests with her and everyone absolutely fell in love with her. And of course, one of the greatest creations ever was born and that's Ellen Ripley. Yeah. And, and she really comes to the fore by the end of this film. But, uh, I do like that all of these characters are just trying their best to kill this thing while they're scared, <laughs> scared out of their minds. Yeah. I love, uh, Kodo and Stanton as Brett and Parker. The, the engineers. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like they're, the, they're like the lower decks kinds of guys. Yeah. That's what I like yeah. about them. I love the scene where it's like, it's going to take us 17 hours. He turns on the comp. It's going to take us 25 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they scottied him. They did the Scotty yeah. rule. Yeah. <laughs> Always tell him to take longer than it does. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Well, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll go I, I was, next, going, I was actually just about to ask, uh, is there anything that you guys wanted to know or anything cuz I'm I'm talking at length here but <laughs> I'm yeah. going to kind of yeah. quiet down a little bit. Um well, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is whenever people are are, you know, oh, there's no strong women in movies. We need more strong women characters. I'm always like you need to watch more sci-fi. Yeah, Ripley's awesome. Yeah, you go back, you look at Sarah Ripley, Connor. Sarah Connor just before this, we had had Princess Leia, mm-hmm. uh, minus the slave Leia costume. I get it; everyone wants to bitch about that, but she was a pretty badass chick, you mm-hmm. know. And she and she even choked Jabba to death in the slave Leia. And he bikini. looks like us. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was just the proof. I mean, that's that's her just choking to yeah. death, Harvey Weinstein, right there. That's mm-hmm. that's Jabba and, the Hut, you know. And I'll also yeah. say, watch horror films because yeah. when they cast her, Ellen Ripley, in this film. Everyone was like, oh, look at us. We're, this was actually supposed to be an all-male cast when they wrote it. Yeah. But the writers did a smart thing. They wrote at the bottom, all roles are unisex and can be played by either male or female. So they yeah. actually That's put really that cool. in there. Yeah. And producer David Geiler is the one who said, what if we make Ellen Ripley, the uh, if we make Ripley, because he's actually, we don't know she's Ellen until the sequel. What if we make Ripley a male, uh, a female? And... Everyone was like, oh, look at us. We're, we're so great. And that was unique for science fiction, but yeah. it wasn't unique for horror at this point. We had Sally yeah. in Texas Chainsaw, Black, uh, yep. Black Christmas. Virtually every horror film we reviewed this yeah, season, restrict. which came I, before yeah. this one. I hate to tell female. everyone, Scream Queens usually win, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're absolutely right, though, yeah. Ellen Ripley. We used to have, I think the problem today is it's it's we had a lack of good, strong female leads yes. for about a 10 to 15 year period we there did. throughout the two thousands. And, but yeah, I always, but now that they're coming back, you know, and there, and there's more female leads absolutely uh, showing up, which is great. I always point out to people like the reason we're able to accept this though, is because before we had this rash of just male leads, we had a lot of female leads and yes, yeah, Sigourney Weaver, Ellen Ripley is always one to bring up. Oh, yeah. 100%. On the flip side of that, there is Veronica Cartwright as Lambert. Yeah. Who is probably the most useless character in the movie. Yeah. I swear to God, if I have to hear her scream one more time. And even even Veronica Cartwright had a problem with that because she was actually, she actually thought she was going to be Ripley. Yeah. When she got to set. 
And they said, uh, no, no, we've cast Ripley. So she's like, well, let me reread the script. God, she screams a lot. And then, yeah. <laughs> like, and Scott, Scott told her like, oh, you don't understand. You're the audience. You know, you're the one the audience will relate to. And that's how he, he appealed to her ego. Right. And she's like, ah, oh, okay. And instead it's more like, shut up. She's the one that I want to <laughs> see a giant alien eat and just get off the know. fucking set. <laughs> You know, God, if you'll just, if it'll shut her up, let her die. Uh, yeah, um, the, one of the other things about this, though, is, uh, and I don't know if you notice this, Jordan, if you, it's part of it, is uh, it is a savage monster. It, yeah. it's, its sole goal is to come and impregnate you with its seed, and mm-hmm. it'll kill you to get it to grow, you yeah. know. But... It's intelligent also. Mm-hmm. It can make decisions. It can, you know, figure out, oh, if I go up in this shaft, I can go around, you know, any defenses mm-hmm. they have. It, it, it's not, it doesn't show, like, it's not sitting it's there reading super, a Shakespeare, yeah, but right. it can it's actually figure shit out. Macbeth. Yeah. That comes up at the end, too, like, yeah. uh, uh, spoilers for the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, when Ella, or when Ripley is on the, the escape pod mm-hmm. and the, the xenomorph's in there, like, taking a nap. Yeah. The reason it knows to go in there is because it noticed that uh, Ripley was carrying Jonesy around the little like cat carrier. Yeah. That it was going to come back for it, and then when she put it in the escape pod, it kind of followed and snuck yeah. its way in. Realized. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There, it, someone was talking about. I was watching a documentary on actually H two O Halloween H two O. Yeah. And someone was talking about movie monsters. I can't remember who. And they were mentioning that, like, your monster doesn't have to be super intelligent, but it has to be just smart enough yeah. to be a threat. And and that's absolutely true of yeah. this. It's basically a monster of pure instinct and yeah, with, with no emotion. Yeah, no emotion, no reason. And as we've already alluded to, uh, there is a milk robot in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Ian Holm, who, of course, most people today would go, Bilbo! Uh oh! And we rings. lost you for a second there. We lost you for just a second. You cracked up. Oh, am I am I here now? I heard Bilbo, and then that was yeah. it. So Ian Holmes. Well, is, yeah. Well, we we know him as Bilbo today. Yeah. But of course, he played Ash, and the big reveal with the science officer is that he had just been put on. They they meant they foreshadow something's up with him because Ripley's like, I don't trust this guy. You just shipped out with this guy like two days before we left. Yeah. So we know something's up with him. It's actually a pretty big surprise because there's no, or I thought there were no real hints given, but yeah, eventually a little bit of milk starts to leak when uh when Ripley realizes that the company wants to uh bring it back for their weapons division, the alien, and the crew is expendable. We find out yeah. that who has those orders is Ash, and that Ash is an android on the ship. Yeah. And they're actually rewatching it. There's a lot of foreshadowing for him. He's doing mm-hmm. these weird, like moves like and charging moves himself in up. Place. Yeah. 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 And, and like when people are talking to him over the radio, he's, he's showing emotion in his voice. But if you look at his face, he's, he's got a plain face. Yeah. Like it, it, he, he plays and home plays that balance extremely well. Of I need to be human enough. You don't know who I am, but I'm all, but I have to be somewhat robotic and emotionless because I'm a fucking robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it, it's one of the greatest reveals, and of course, one of the great effects is when 
uh, Kodo knocks his head off and he's still <laughs> running around. Although the hands, the hands give it away. A little silly. Those, those weird <laughs> arms. Little choppy hands. Um, mm-hmm. The choppy hands. And I love the effect of, yeah, they had to put him in a, in a table to show that he was beheaded mm-hmm. yeah. at, with the body. And <laughs> every take, Ridley Scott had to go back over and squirt some more actual milk into his mouth, which he hated. He hates milk. Yeah. And, and, he, and he even said, I hate it even more after this movie. That's so funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. But... Yeah, they had to do it because every because he always if you notice when the scene starts, he starts to talk and it He's oozes gurgling. out of his mouth. Yeah, and and there's this weird gurgling sound. But he is the character that that basically tells us, yeah, it's pure instinct. And I love it when they say, "What are your chance? You know, what are our chances? Or how do you kill it?" And he says, "I don't know." And then right before they leave, he says, "You have my sympathies." Like just yeah. <laughs> yeah. smiling away. And then of course, Kodo torches him. Yeah, but. That- uh, that scene rules, but uh, there's one thing that always that stuck out to me the the most recent time I watched it, which is um, mm-hmm. they're having trouble like putting his head like getting it to stand up, and then like they put it up, and then there's cuts while they're filming it from the prop head to uh, Ian Holmes head sticking out nice. of the table, and it's yeah. it's not seamless at all. Like you could have yeah. had like a like a shot react shot, yeah. nothing. It's just man, yeah. <laughs> there it is. That, it's not only that too. Whenever they go in to burn him. You'll notice he's got this really like bad grin. Yeah, this this really horrible grin. And what happened there was is Scott actually explained that they didn't have time to redo it. They actually built. If you see the original head, it looked extremely like Ian Holm. Like Mm -hmm. it it should have worked, but when they decorated it with everything, the latex they used at the time shrank real bad, and so it caused this like grin to pop up, and they didn't have time. They didn't have time to, to fix it, That's so he's like, just, just we'll do yeah. what we can with it. Yeah. We'll cut around it and hope they never have <laughs> digital clarity, ever. Well, so. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you another thing that is not seamless. It's one of the problems you, you have with prequels that are made 20, 30 years later, uh-huh. you know. Uh, you look at the computers and the technology on Prometheus, yeah. and, and then you go back, you know, to... Uh, Alien, which is supposed to be happening in the future from that, mm-hmm. and wow, it really dated tech yeah. on there. But it's of I, the I time. I can excuse it's that because yeah. it's like made in yeah. the times. What you what confuses that. me yeah. is why in every other Alien sequel, they know they have an android on their team, yeah. but in this one, Ash is like a secret android. Yeah. He's... So like when they're in the hibernation pods, <laughs> he's completely awake. He's just like yeah. sitting there, like powered off. Yeah. That's got to be super boring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just pretending yeah. to be asleep for like, what, like a year and a half? Yeah. You know, that poor bastard. He's just <laughs> yeah. sitting there like. He has my ah, sympathies. I got to hide, so I got to act like I'm well, asleep. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I, think from, I think from what I got from the film, though, from what I gathered is he was put on that ship because they already knew about the distress beacon. And they yeah. knew that Nostromo okay. was going yeah. to go there. Mm-hmm. And so he was kept secret for that reason. Because, yeah, in the future, you knew there was an android with them and all that kind of stuff. Bishop from Aliens. Uh, (laughs) But but I will say this, though. Scott's actually addressed the whole, why does the Nostromo look very ancient compared to the ships in Prometheus? He's actually talked about that. That's funny. And his excuse was, look, that was a truck in space. 
and they're not going to spend the corporation's not going to spend all this money to tech it out and to have it all techy. But this yeah, one, good but explanation. But Prometheus is built not only by the the founder of the company; he's on the ship, so it's yeah. going to have all so it's the nice out. Missiles. Yeah, okay, yeah, that oh, makes it's some good sense. enough for me. Yeah, yeah, um, Which, I like it. Admittedly, bullshit answer. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's fucking stupid, but. But, but you know, it, it, yeah, and, and and it's like Jordan said too. I think you you know it was the year it was made in. Mm-hmm. They went with the tech of the time, and you you you're just willing you to accept, accept that. Yeah, yeah. I will say though, I did love that there was a sequel video game made to this uh, movie called Alien Isolation. I was playing it before I got here. Actually, that's and, awesome. Yeah, and they actually adopted what they call the retro future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is buttons and screens and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So, and I've I got, say, I've actually got I that game downloaded. You I should need give it a shot. I'm, it's yeah. it's so much fun to like walk through. Like I would never yeah. want to live in the world of Alien. Yeah. Because like aside from the the monsters, it's yeah. like a like a corporate dystopia, right? Um, but like yeah, like the whole like aesthetic of like these like retro buttons and seventy yeah. sci fi. It looks it's so much fun to walk around. And, well, and I I've heard from people that the game can actually scare the shit out oh, of you. Oh, it's I I consume a lot of horror games yeah. movies. This is the first thing where I'm like I don't think I can finish this. It's wow. too scary. Wow. Yeah. That's it is, saying a lot. Yeah. It is intense. Yeah. You're so and powerless. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I will say, though, I like the connection between that one and Aliens. Yeah. Where you're yeah. actually playing the daughter of Ripley, mm-hmm. who's searching for her mother. It's okay. the in-between period. And uh, another great thing about that game is if you get, I guess if you get any version today, there was a special version you had to get when yeah. it was released. It's included. There's a recreation of the first movie. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a recreation of this movie. Featuring the entire original cast. They got them all to come back to voice the characters. That's Sigourney awesome. Weaver, Tom Skerritt, Kodo, all of them. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things, it's, this is random and it just popped into my head. Harry Dean Stanton has to be one of the most underrated character actors ever. You've oh, seen yeah. him in, Absolutely. You've yeah. seen him in every film. Uh, but he, when he was asked to be in this movie, the first thing he said to Ridley Scott was, I don't like science fiction and I don't like horror. And yeah. <laughs> to which to Rich Ridley Scott said to him, I don't either, but I think I can make this one a good one. Nice. And that was, that was enough. Um, Scott, man, he, he actually commanded a, a magnificent presence on set because like he got the budget doubled based on his storyboards. He got these wonderful performances from his cast. He did say when he was asked about, about how good his cast was, he said, I needed a good cast because I didn't want to focus on them. Yeah. I wanted to focus on the technical aspects, the effects. I wanted to get all that right. And I didn't need actors coming up to me. And in fact, he said, like, someone said, like, oh, he's not very cozy. He's like, I don't want to be fucking cozy. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> Uh, he's the commander of the ship. Back he to the whole, to yeah, right. Yeah. Back to the whole. He needed good actors, wasn't it? Uh, like, uh, yeah, he wants to focus on everything else. So, like, a lot of the scenes where they're all together as a crew talking together, that's all improv, right? Like, that's all just the actors being in character, trying to like chew the scenery. Yeah. Part of it is. Okay. Um, part of it is because yeah, they had to really kind of get to know each other on their own, mm-hmm. and. Uh, a lot of it is actually rehearsed. There's been a lot of things like the whole dinner scene was completely improvised. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily the case because exactly. of the because of the effects that have to go into it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think a lot of 
I think some of the stuff when they're talking about the contracts and stuff uh, was improvised. Uh, that makes sense. Where it they're basically saying, "Yeah, it feels very yeah. natural." Yeah, because yeah. they keep talking over each other. Like that doesn't feel rehearsed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love I love that scene. Like this isn't in my contract, and Ash starts to explain it. It's like ah crap. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, that that's one thing that this film it gets overlooked in this film, but not in the sequels because they embraced it a lot more. Is that behind the scenes there's this big bad corporation, like corporate entities took mm-hmm. over apparently at some right. point, uh, which they definitely follow a lot more with Paul Reiser and his character in Aliens, yeah. but. Uh, uh, that's still a threat in this film as well. And it, so it's kind of has that underlying message, but it's not beating you over the head with it. Uh, my only favorite line in alien resurrection, when they said the Utani uh, way corporation was taken over was when they said, yeah, it was taken over by Walmart during the corporate wars. Like it's the only yeah. semi funny part in that movie. Yeah. Um, I think the movie's funny. It's not, it's just not trying to be. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, we are going to talk about the sequels soon. But uh, is there what else did you guys want to talk about with uh, Alien? Um, go ahead, George. Back to Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. Um, I easily the best character in the movie. Like Ripley, like you know, iconic, whatever. Harry Dean Stanton is like. In a cast of everyman, he's the everyman. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like that's the way I would die in this movie. You know what I mean? Trying to find my cat. I walk into the chain room. Yeah. I get got. <laughs> that's what's going to happen to yeah. me. I know yeah. it. I'll be wearing a Hawaiian uh, shirt, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guilty is charged. Uh, or, has, or, or has, as Brett would say in the movie, right. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that scene <laughs> fucking kills me. It keeps going, right? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Why is it... <laughs> You always say right whenever he says something. Right. <laughs> while, he's, while he's rolling a joint. Yeah. By the way. Oh, yeah. I you, love that smoking in spaces. Yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like, we're going to that scene, weed never leaves, man. In that scene, too, you can tell they're truckers because that's like their porn room. Like, yeah. they just have nudie mags just yeah. taped up on the wall. It feels super lifted. But also, it's right by the kitchen. Okay. Yeah. You tell me the jerk off room is where everybody eats. Yeah. Calm yeah, down, Nostromo. Right yeah. It's like, yeah, I wear myself out. You know, I got to go out in there and get me a bite to eat afterwards. You know? <laughs> I will say, I'm glad Jonesy the, uh, the cat lives. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the one you like. Poor they're going to find the remain, remains of this fucking cat somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, blown out. <laughs> considering considering Ripley dies in Alien Three, Jonesy's the real last survivor of the yeah, Nostromo. Yeah, he truly That's is. True. Yeah, yeah. she's because uh, because she smartly chooses not to take him on the mission to, <laughs> to uh, yeah. LV forty six aliens. Yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, 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 well, he just mentioned. Are you going to mention the the two monstrosities that we? should just tell everyone never to yeah. watch. I, I was going to say yeah. there are, there are many sequels and prequels to this movie. Yeah. Now I'm actually not going to talk so bad about one of them, but the, the rest I could say we'll forget aliens. We're not going to say a word here. We got that yeah. coming up in the tank. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> this time it's war. I'll give you the tagline for that <laughs> yeah. movie. Uh, but Alien 3 comes out in 92 and completely undoes everything in Aliens, which I think is the first yeah. thing that that is a problem. It's piss everybody off right Second, the yeah, yeah, everything that happened in Aliens doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Secondly, 
the characters in Alien Three are hard to like because there are a lot. We know they're murdering, rapists. Yeah, characters. there's, there's, a, there's it's a only prison planet. Classic yeah, everyman. There, yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's only one character who, yeah, he's guilty of his crimes, but seems to show any remorse. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, I forget that character's name because I just know it was Charles Dance. I don't know the actor's name. It's Charles yeah, Dance. Charles yeah. Dance. Uh, but that movie is directed. It's the first film of David Fincher. Uh, he does disown the movie. He does disown the movie, and the reason I don't say skip that movie, skip the story, ignore the fucking story, is you see early David Fincher in that movie. Okay. It looks like a David Fincher movie. Yeah, and uh, there is an extended cut that is slightly better because it does a little bit more to explain kind of what happens in that movie. Yeah. Overall, it's forgettable. The one I will not talk as bad about though is actually alien resurrection really i would have it, uh, what a surprise it, yeah. oh don't get me wrong oh, if man. i had to if i had to rate it uh one out of four jonesies um i would <laughs> still i would still give it two at best yeah on its best day so i don't like the movie it's just the one i'm more lenient on because they try in re-watching it they try to get back to the aliens formula yeah which worked so well for that film and Ron Perlman's pretty awesome in that movie, uh, as he is in most things. Yeah, I will say my favorite thing I ever heard about Re- Resurrection is when they asked Sigourney Weaver about it. <laughs> Why she did it. Yeah. And she said, they basically backed a dump truck full of money to my front yard yeah, and dumped so it funny. out. So, I mean, yeah. she looks like she's having a great time in the movie. Oh, yeah. Like she's having she, fun. <laughs> she did have a good time. That's the thing. Uh, Sigourney Weaver said she had a great time shooting all the movies mm-hmm. that, she, yeah. that she did. It's just two of them suck yeah. out of the four yeah. that she did. Now, after that was Prometheus. And this film splits a lot of people because it takes a philosophical look at space and where we came from and where we belong in the universe and blah, blah, blah. It's very Ridley Scott a la Blade Runner. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people are going to hate it. And I, I like love it. it. <laughs> I like it for those very reasons. And... Michael Fassbender as David. He's just a great character. I said David rules. Yeah. I'm pretty pretty in the movie itself, but I think David's like a great addition to the the lore. I, uh, I, I, in, in, I mean, let's, let's get props where props are due. mm -hmm. Danny McBride. Come on. Oh, Covenant. Yeah. Yeah. Great part. Yeah. And I will say when a ship falls to the ground, and starts to roll towards you, yeah. and you have all the open space to the right and mm-hmm. all the open space to the left. There is no reason for you to get crushed by, by this the ship. ship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they it, all that could have been it was a special effect of like uh, they're in a mountain valley or some shit, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> show that they were trapped. But yeah, um, but yeah. Then and then that film got a sequel, Alien Covenant. Mm-hmm. I was less impressed with Alien Covenant only because it tried a little too hard to reconcile the two because you can tell that there was Scott who wanted to continue the story of Prometheus and you could tell there was the studio who was like, Alien has to be in the fucking title and it has to have aliens. Yeah. So <laughs> you could see that there was trying, they were trying to reconcile that. Another right. great performance from Michael Fassbender. Yes. I mean, he he still does a great job. In that case, two roles, because uh, mm-hmm. he's two androids. 
But ultimately, though, when I go back to visit Alien, I, I usually visit Alien and Aliens, and that's about it. I, I don't really find myself going back to watch yeah. any of the other films. I, I talked about Danny McBride. I, I just wanted a little more eastbound and down Danny McBride, though. <laughs> I wanted him to be... Oh, More you of a son of a bitch! Come on, let's go, you son of a bitch! <laughs> you start chucking baseballs at his head, you know. Speaking of great performances in Covenant, I think that's my favorite James Franco role because he's not yeah. in it. <laughs> <laughs> Get to see him fucking blow up in nice. the first ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I I really oh, and I do enjoy in in Prometheus. Going back to that one for a minute, uh, Numi. Say her name for me. Uh, I'm Numi Rapace. Rapace. I was blanking on her last name. Rapace. 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 Hey. Uh, (laughs) And that may be it. Fucking nice. I I think that's another reason Covenant kind of turned me off was because they kind of just dealt with her character off screen. They knew it. And and I really, I I really wish she could have come back because she did come back for a short so i know there's no ill right. will between her and the mm-hmm. and scott or anything but for some reason they just didn't include her character and maybe that was part of the studio's decision you got to get away from prometheus which split the audience mm-hmm. and right uh, so i don't know but this film though i have i have no problems with this movie no this movie is, I, is no, great it's perfect it's, I it's mean, perfect yeah i'll tell you right now i'm gonna go ahead and rate it i give this one uh, four out of four Android heads. Nice. So. We what we usually do is for our ratings, Jordan, is we'll mm-hmm. pick something from the movie and then we'll set a a scale I get of it. some sort. Yeah, yeah. I got context so. clues. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll give it uh five penis spiders out of five. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Mm. Mm. And I will give it ten. Vagina eggs <laughs> out of ten vagina eggs. I said vagina eggs earlier. Yeah. Um, I was reading an interview with H.R. Giger. Yeah, um, where I he think t- you sent me. I, I did send yeah. it to you. Um, where like uh, during the movie, originally the egg had one slit that opened up, um, so it looked just straight up like a vagina. And the studio yeah. was like, "We can't, yeah. we can't have a vagina egg." And she yeah. goes, "Okay." And so then he just put another one across it. It's the same design. So now there's just two vaginas. It just opens up in an X. <laughs> well, nice. what's funny is a big, a big part of the design for the alien comes from a piece called Necronom Four. Yeah. Where it, and it mm-hmm. actually looks like the alien, except it has eyes and the head's more phallic. And, and something else. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to get to because yeah. they're talking to Giger and he's showing it off and he's like, yes, I like my original design. You know, there's no eyes. It's 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 smooth here. And of course, we <laughs> we and then he goes to the back of the of the head. He goes. And, and of course, and of course, that's not there either. Away the bell end. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just. So horny, uh, yeah, the Giger horniest artist. Is, yeah, uh, horny and also, but but in the grossest way. Yeah, possible. it's horny, but it's not sexy. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. He, uh, uh, he, but but an amazing artist. If you're into that, a little fun fact mm-hmm. uh, for everyone listening, and y'all may not know, Jonathan Davis of the band Corn. If you ever look at his mic stand, it is custom made by Giger. Really? Yes, and it looks. Yeah, it's got a dickhead on it. Well, yeah, it looks like a a a, a, 
a dick alien. I don't know. It's That's yeah, yeah. So funny. I think it's got a oh. woman in it though too. So he can, a female he can, form. He can yeah. jumblewumba on his on his yeah. dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> real, real quick, a couple of shout outs since we are talking about Geeker. Yeah. Uh, artist Ron Cobb and artist Chris Boss, who are more traditional science fiction artists, <laughs> yeah. uh, they designed the human world. They designed the human ships and the settings okay. and all that stuff. So, yeah. and uh, Foss, I think, is the one who was like he got. He's the one that got into great detail of like this button does this. Here's here's the smallest instructions of how to use the bathroom and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but also, real quick, I meant to mention this fact. We see everyone's death in this film except for one. Yeah. We don't see Dallas die. And in fact, we're left hanging with what happened with Dallas in the theatrical cut anyway, because they say we found they, they pull the, the flamethrower out and they say, We found this. No Dallas, no blood, nothing. Mm. Yeah. That's because when she was making her escape, uh Ripley was supposed to find Dallas cocooned almost, except for his head with an egg in front of him and it was supposed to be the alien was going to create another alien with him with a face hugger. And he says to her, kill me. Now they reuse that concept and she torches him. Now they reuse that concept in aliens. Yeah. Because the, the colonists are there and we see that, but this film also had a far darker ending from Ridley Scott. Have any of you heard of this ending? Yeah. I, I was reading about it this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Ridley Scott wanted the alien to bite off Ripley's head. (laughs) Oh, wow. And she would have died. And then he would have gone up to the speaker in the shuttle and spoke in her voice. Oh, wow. In order to lure people. So we were going to find out that this thing really was more intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. However, the producers, the stars, the writers, and everyone around Ridley Scott went, no. Yeah. Stupid <laughs> idea. Smart people. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to destroy one really good sequel and three eh, movies. <laughs> yeah. Right. By turning into the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the Nostromo. Please come. Save us all. It's voiced by Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's great. Uh, that would rule. Where's Ripley? Yeah. Fuck you, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> She's dead. They're all dead. But, uh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing about Ridley Scott is he does go over budget. He had a budget of eight point two million, eight point four million dollars. He ultimately spent fourteen million dollars to make the movie, thus cementing his reputation for going over budget on his films. Yeah. Uh, to which Ridley Scott has said, "Give me a budget and I'll stick to it. But if you don't tell me what the budget is, I'm just going to shoot my movie." That's yeah. <laughs> basically. Uh, his take and actually Fox had issues with him of like, you're not going fast enough, even though he was getting like 60 setups a day to the point where he got so, which by the way, for people who don't know films, you generally tend to get 10 setups a day. That's your average five five to 10 setups. That sounds a lot like, like you were talking about corporations had just taken over and instead of going in and being like, okay, how do you normally do this? They were Nope. We need this faster. We got to get that corporate mentality. Get us, turn this shit out. You know, and, and Ridley Scott got so mad when this news got back to him yeah. that he was in the bridge set and he just punched straight up and punched straight through the bridge ceiling. Nice. <laughs> and, 
And after that, they never heard from Fox again, or at least they never gave him the news. Yeah. What they were asking <laughs> for. Rebuild this shit. Fuck, man. Really Don't good. tell him any fucking thing. Um, but, but the thing is, though, it doesn't matter that they went over budget to $14 million because this movie went on to gross $203 million. At the time, that's astronomical money, especially for a science fiction or horror film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's made millions upon millions. And just recently, Ellen Ripley became a Disney princess because, as we know, Disney bought 20th Century Fox yep. and now owns the Alien franchise. Yeah, they're the real Wayland Yutani. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till we uh, are all bought out by Amazon Disney. Oh yeah. Yeah, Amazon <laughs> Disney. I like it. I like it. Back to uh to uh the the deleted scene from Alien 1 where uh uh Dallas is cocooned up. Have you guys heard the the pos- or one of the other endings was that the Xenomorph was turning people into eggs? Like oh, that wow. like that was supposed to be one of like the uh the possible ways for the script to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised by that because one of the things that happened with this film is so O'Bannon and, and, and Shusette, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, they turned in their script and the producers, Walter Hill and David Geiler don't like the script. Mm-hmm. What really turned them on to the script was the chestburster scene. That, that was the only thing that they kept, right? That was what they kept. Yeah. yeah. And they completely rewrote the script. Yeah. But they kept rewriting it worse and worse and worse. <laughs> so they eventually reverted back a lot to what O'Bannon had written. And that's why O'Bannon has the sole writing credit. Uh, okay. And she said has a story credit. Yeah. Uh, is because they ended up going back to it because what they found out later and what O'Bannon found out years later was they were really just trying to get his name off the script. And right. you have to you have to rewrite a certain portion of the script to knock them out of the screenwriter category. And like, he even tells a funny story of like, I came in one day and all the names were changed. He hated all the names. He didn't hate all the names. He just thought changing the names would get me kicked off the script. <laughs> like, he <laughs> thought that was enough, enough to significantly rewrite the script. Right. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I love this movie. It made yep. God, it made all the money it deserved. Yep. And this is an example though, of a big studio horror film. We've been having a lot of independent, People making horror films now mm-hmm. at this point, this is a big budget one. But this is a big budget one for another reason. They wanted another science fiction film, not necessarily yeah. another horror film. Right. It just happened to be horror with well, the sci-fi. Well, squeeze it in there. And it's, and it's funny, and I'm sure we'll mention this when we get to Aliens, but, but the, you know, just so happened, Star Wars had just come out. It was a blockbuster. So now we're going to do horror, but in space. And so it's we're going to focus on the science fiction part of that because we just had Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Now you go to Aliens. Well, what's popular at the time? Terminator, Rambo, big action films, and suddenly war in space. And so you have same shit, but just different theme going on, you know? And, and so, which I've always thought was kind of neat. You know, you changed it with I like the times. It. I like changing the yeah. genre. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. also in horror, like... It's only scary when you don't know what it is, but now right. we know we've seen the threat. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's how the Bond films have sustained themselves. The Bond films are always products of their times, mm-hmm. right? There, I mean, it kickstarts the spy genre in the '60s, but in the '70s, it becomes more tongue in cheek because people wanted more tongue in cheek, and so Roger Moore takes over, and then they wanted more serious by the '80s, so Dalton takes over, and, and then uh, Brosnan takes over, and then Daniel Craig. It's like Okay, Jason Bourne is yeah, famous. We Let's do Jason, Jason Bourne. Bourne. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ, it's Daniel Craig. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> He's like 4,000 years old and still doing this shit. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus Christ. It's Jason Bourne. I love yeah. that. I love that scene. Yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah. So it, it, and, and of course, they get James Cameron to do Aliens, which, of course, we'll get into how all that happened when we get to Aliens. So. <laughs> All right, well, before we get out of here, I just wanted to ask you, you have anything to promote? I Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so in addition to talking about aliens here, yep. I talk about aliens on my own show, uh, Swamp Ass Uggos, which is a radio program you can catch on KZSM every Sunday night or on Spotify. We talk about aliens, cryptids, ghosts, serial killers. Anything else that goes bump in the night. It's a great show. I've been on it before. Oh, I yeah. absolutely love it. One of our best guests, Jason Johnson. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but yeah, um, as for us, please like, rate, subscribe, and review. Uh, JT, do you want to tell them uh, what we're going to see next week for the final episode of this season and the 70s? Next week, our season finale is going to be Don Coscarelli's Phantasm. Ooh, nice. yeah. Where we are introduced choice. to... Where we are introduced to the tall man, and I can't help but always go, boy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, well, if you ever find yourself lost in space, remember that face hugger only hugs you because he loves you. Love everybody. Bye. Bye.